This story took place sometime in the late 80s. So one time I went to the bar with one of my friends. I had just turned 21, so I haven't been to too many bars up to that point. My friend was drinking on the way to the bar, so he was already drunk when we got there. When I sat at the bar, a cute girl came and talked to me and my friend. She said her name was Candace, and I noticed that she had really bright red hair. I assumed she dyed it. It was pretty, but unnatural. Anyways, this girl was flirting with me and my friend. She could tell my friend was already very drunk. To be honest, I played along like I was drunk already too, since it seemed to be working for my friend. I didn't know if she was just trying to get free drinks, so I told her we didn't have much money. She offered to buy us drinks. So, she kept buying us drinks, and I started to get confused as to who she liked between me and my friend. My friend went to the bathroom. Before he came back out, he was kicked out by the bouncers. He was beyond intoxicated. Candace and I went outside with him. She kept telling him to go home with her. He was so out of it, he could barely answer her. I told her he was too drunk and that I couldn't let him go anywhere. I really didn't want him to wake up hungover in some random house with no car and no idea what happened. Candace kept pushing it though, saying that she would take care of him but I told her no because I had to stay with him. I was more sober than him, and he was my responsibility. I told her the only way he was going anywhere was if I tagged along. I assumed that she thought I was jealous, or that I was cock-blocking him, but my friend could barely stand and already lost interest in Candace. She immediately started to flirt with me and offered to get my friend a taxi to drive him home and said that we could go to her place alone. At this point I had a few drinks, and I was pretty buzzed, so I agreed. We took my friend to the taxi and walked to her car. I slightly stumbled on the way to her car. Wow, you're pretty drunk, huh? She said smiling as she held onto my arm. Yeah, I said. I don't know why, but I felt slightly shy and anxious. Everything was just happening too easy for me, so I guess I felt uneasy. We got in her car and we drove down the street. Wanna stop at the liquor store and get more to drink? I'll buy it, she offered. I really didn't want to drink any more than I already did. I was already buzzed and wanted to be able to carry myself throughout the rest of the night. Sometimes I make myself look stupid when I'm drunk. So I didn't want to ruin anything with Candace more than I already did when I told her my friend was too drunk. I told her I was already drunk enough, but she insisted. I didn't want to seem lame, so I told her to get me a pint of liquor with some apple juice to chase it. She went in the store and came out with a lot more than just a pint. I assumed she wanted to drink more also, and that's why she got a fifth instead of a pint. On the car ride, we passed the bottle back and forth, but she took tiny sips. I tried to take tiny sips, but she kept passing me the bottle and telling me to drink more. I somehow managed to drink all of my apple juice 
and pretended to drink the bottle by spitting the liquor in the apple juice bottle. I tossed the apple juice bottle full of liquor out the window before she saw it. I didn't want her to know I was acting drunker than she actually believed, so she actually believed I was sloppy when I was simply buzzed. I took a couple more sips of liquor and finished the bottle. Throughout the car ride, I called her the wrong name a couple of times to get a reaction out of her. She didn't react to it. She just kept letting me call her Carla without correcting me. For some reason, I thought she lied to me about her name initially. That's when we drove up to her house. I pretended to trip and stumble into her front door. She opened her front door, which was unlocked, and we walked into her house. She closed the front door, then locked it. I thought that was really strange, but just assumed she didn't want anyone walking in on us. I told her that I had to use the bathroom, so I walked into her bathroom, locked the door, and looked in the mirror. I felt like something was off. I felt myself becoming more drunk from finishing the bottle earlier. I turned on the sink to make some noise and made myself puke up the liquor I drank. So I flushed the toilet and went to the sink and started drinking tap water out of my hands to sober up. I just didn't want to be drunk anymore, but I still wanted to hook up with Candace, so I wanted to pretend to be drunk. I turned the sink off and I could hear her talking to someone. He's drunk as hell. He can barely stand up. You do it. Who was she talking to? And do what? I walked out of the bathroom and into the living room. The moment I stepped into the living room, I saw her walking into another room. All I could see was the back of her head, that very strange bright red hair, go into another room. The living room was pretty dark. Hey, where are you going? I slurred like a drunk. She walked back into the living room and up to me. Let's go into my room, she said. I looked at her bright red hair and then into her eyes. They were different. Her face was different. That's when I realized it was another girl with the same wig on. She had changed it with the girl from earlier, for whatever reason. My heart felt like it stopped, but I tried to look like I had no idea it was a different girl. I kind of smiled at her and told her I just needed to use the bathroom one more time. It's fine, just hurry up in here, she said. So I went into the bathroom and locked the door. I heard her whisper something to someone again, and this time... I heard a male voice whisper back. I honestly didn't concentrate on listening to what exactly she said. Something sketchy was going on and I had to get out of that house. I opened the bathroom window and jumped straight out of it and ran faster than I ever have in my entire life. I didn't look behind myself for anything. I just ran through the backyard, jumped the fence, ran through someone else's backyard, hit a road and ran towards the main road. I kept running down the main road until I saw CVS and I ran inside. I called a taxi and went home. I try to think what happened that night. What was she or they planning that night? Why did she tell me a fake name? 
Why was she trying to get my friend and I so drunk? I thought maybe a robbery, but she kept spending money on us. She kept buying us drinks and even paid for my friend's taxi cab. And mostly, why did she wear a wig that she gave to another girl to wear? Who was she talking to? What did it mean? And what was in that room they tried to lure me into? This happened when I was in my early teens in the late 80s. My family lived in a very secluded, forested area. We had a long driveway and our small home sat on a square acre of mowed grass with woods on two sides. I was alone late one night talking with a buddy on the phone from school. I often rode my bike to town over the summer and he invited me to come over and spend the night. It was a 20 mile trip over completely empty country roads, but it was always an adventure and I seldom hesitated to go when I had a place to stay. I told him it was a sure thing and I would call my mother at work and then start my ride. Here's where it gets creepy. Once I hung up the phone and started to get dressed in all black, I picked up the phone again to call my mom. The line was dead. This has never happened before. It was a sturdy phone and we never had problems with it. My thoughts instantly went to the small phone box on the back of the house. It was a tiny round junction with nothing but rubber covering. Behind the cover was the exposed connection between the phone pole and our inside line. The wires were twisted together, but completely vulnerable. I questioned to myself why I would even think about that. Why would I jump to conclusions about the cause of the deadline? I was overwhelmed with a feeling of dread that didn't make sense, and I was wrestling with my thoughts. I decided to behave as though I was in real danger, but calm myself by focusing on how unlikely it was and how my imagination was probably getting the best of me. But I could just not shake the feeling that I was in trouble. I finished dressing and strapped a buck knife to my hip, the old Rambo knives with the compass in the stock. It was cheap, but very big. I moved quietly and planned how I would leave the house. I remember this very well. I would slide out the front door and pull it closed behind me. The door would now be locked and I would not be able to get back in. I would grab my bike from against the wall on the enclosed porch, spin around and use my elbow to press the button of the handle on the screen door and jump down the concrete steps. I'd hop on my bike and speed down the driveway. It was very dark outside but there were bright lights in the front and rear of the house that created big pools in the yard. That's all the light I would have had. I executed my maneuver just as I had planned, but my elbow slipped off the button of the handle and banged into the door as I opened, and within seconds, I was pumping down the gravel driveway. I turned my head to the left filling my ears with the roar of the air as I was cutting through and stopped pedaling. 
my eyes fixed on the rear of the house. I was 100% sure someone was coming. I don't know how or why. It was only a moment, but I didn't look away despite my own skepticism. At the last instant, I saw him. A man wearing dark clothes and a ski mask came tearing out of the lit yard around the back of the house and plunged into the deep shadow along the side heading for the front, where I had been only seconds ago. I was invisible wearing black from head to toe, and instead of running straight for me, he went for the porch where the commotion I had just made had come from. I turned forward and leaned into the pedals. I almost wrecked turning the corner, but recovered and sped away. About a mile further, I finally stopped at the intersection to the paved road. I stood there for a bit and got my breathing under control while I tried to digest what just happened. My thoughts were racing. I knew damn well what I saw, but I was out of danger. All I could do was press on. My neighbors were Amish, and they had no phone. I wouldn't have known what to say anyway. When I got to my friend's house much later, I told him what had happened, and I called my mother. She listened, and didn't give me a hard time, but I could tell she didn't know what to think. She wouldn't be home till morning, and she said that she would be careful. And that was it. I had heard laughter once from the edge of the woods, and things in the yard had been moved on occasion, but no one else had these experiences, and I just assumed it was the Amish kids fooling around. Nothing had ever really happened before. I doubt the Amish kids would know how to disconnect the phone line, though. Back in the early to mid-80s, I had a paper route in a medium-sized southwestern Pennsylvania town. This would have happened in either 1983 or 84. I was 13 or 14, depending on the year. I was out one night collecting the subscription fees for my customers. It was winter because I remember the sky was dark. I don't remember there being snow on the ground, but I was usually done collecting by 6.30 p.m., That was on purpose because the penguins usually came on around 7pm. It was cold, and I had decided that I wanted a hot chocolate for the walk home. There was a convenience store near my paper route. Even now at night, the area is fairly busy with crosstown traffic for a dead-end southwestern Pennsylvania town. Well, I headed on over to the store and got myself a nice cup of hot chocolate. As I was walking out of the store into the parking lot, a dude in a pickup truck with a cap over the bed called me over. I figured for some reason that he must have recognized my paperboy receipt book and thought I might know the area. (laughs) 13 year old logic I guess. I just supposed he was going to ask me for directions. There was some traffic and the lot was well lit so I didn't feel any fear. I headed over to the truck, and there were three occupants. The guy, much older than me, but not as old as my dad, and two cute girls who I recognized were older than me, but I don't know how much older, 
The sky looks straight at me and says, These girls want a party. Get in. Direct quote, and I'll never forget it. Now, I'm 13 or 14, pimply as hell, and I weighed about 95 pounds soaking wet with 20 pounds of sand in my pocket. These two chicks want a party with me? Sure. I'm a horny 13-year-old, but I had seen a lot of videos in school. This shit was just screaming stranger danger. I politely declined and started walking towards home. Then the dude sweetens the pot and says, Hey, she really thinks you're cute and we have weed and beer. Just get in and let's go. I decline politely again. This whole time, the girls have said absolutely nothing. I started walking up the road towards my house and the dude pulls out of the lot and started following me in the truck. I then began to walk through a very small wooded area and into my neighborhood. I went up the embankment and started crossing the tracks. I could see down onto the road and the dude was leaning out of his truck window and looking back at me. Well, I kept walking and I saw him pass the first turn into my neighborhood. Good, I was free. My house was three blocks up from the bottom of the hill and I ran like a motherfucker. I got to the third block and what comes over the crest of the hill? A pickup. It wasn't moving very quickly or anything, so I easily made it to the front porch of our duplex before it passed. The scary thing? It was the same truck as before, but thankfully, I never saw that truck again. This story is from quite a long time ago, in the 80s. At the time, I was in middle school in a suburb in Pennsylvania. One weekend, I had planned to sleep over at my friend's house. This would normally involve riding bikes around the neighborhood and playing Nintendo until very late. But this time when I had arrived, my friend Brian told me that he had to go help out at his church. He said I could join and help too if I wanted. So having nothing else to do, I agreed. His family was very religious and Brian was especially close to the pastor. Brian's mom dropped us off at the church and we spent time moving chairs around and helping to pack things away. That's when Brian introduced me to Father Kane, who seemed friendly and asked me a lot of questions about my family and if I went to church. I told him that we didn't and I remember being worried that he would react badly but he seemed fine with it. Sometime later, it was getting near dinner time and Father Kane asked if we wanted to eat with him and then watch a movie. Brian seemed interested and I thought why not? So he called his mom and postponed the time she would pick us up. We went to Father Kane's apartment which was attached to part of the church and ate some dinner together. He asked me if I wanted a drink and went to his fridge and he handed me a beer. My parents had allowed me to try alcohol if I wanted to and I always thought it was disgusting so I asked Father came for something else and he gave me a soda. Then, after dinner, we watched a movie. I think it was The Shining. 
Later on, Brian's mom picked us up and we went back to his house. I remember talking with Brian at the time and agreeing with him that Father Kane seemed pretty cool. A couple of months went by and one morning, there was big drama at the school. Someone asked me if I had heard the news and why Brian was out of school that week. Father Kane had been charged with molesting altar boys and he had fled. It turned out that Father Kane had groomed boys over many years and had been molesting them in that church apartment, giving them alcohol and cigarettes and eventually sharing them with two other priests. All three priests were eventually charged and all went to jail, though it took heavy action by the parents of the victims to make it happen and it was many years until they were sentenced. 30 years later, and this is definitely one of the creepiest encounters I've ever had with somebody. In hindsight, what's maybe the worst worrying is how at that age there weren't any alarm bells ringing, despite what now are obvious red flags. I just thought he was a nice, chilled-out guy. We had been taught about stranger danger as kids, but he wasn't a stranger and was in position of authority, so I really didn't think to question his motives. This was a lesson to me how easily people with authority and respect in a community can get away with terrible things. 